Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and we are just a few days away from opening night against the New York Knickerbockers. I know all you Pacer fans are getting excited about that, but before we get to that game, I hope you guys enjoy today's podcast with Mark Schindler and Rhett Bauer. Yes, they'll be joining me every week here on Setting the Pace. And on today's episode, we talk about Goga Batadze, the injury that he suffered that's going to keep him out for a few weeks. Then we jump into some rookie contract extensions. I'm sure you guys saw all the notifications today from Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham Sharania giving you guys some updates on all that. And then we went into some player awards predictions as far as who's going to win what award. We talked about what coaches could be fired this season. Then we talk about the NBA standings. Where do we see the Eastern Eastern and Western conferences lining up? And then we talk a little bit about Paul George and Kevin Pritchard and all that fun stuff. And then lastly, we wrap it up talking about what would it hypothetically take to get a player like James Harden on the Indiana Pacers. So, Just some hypotheticals, not saying the Pacers will do it. We actually talk about if the Pacers would realistically consider it and what we think they'd have to give up to get a guy like James Harden. So really fun podcast today. Hope you guys sit back, relax, and enjoy this. And yeah, we're just two days away from the Pacers facing against those New York Knicks. So hope you guys enjoy the podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a debut episode here on Setting the Pace. We're going to be joined today by Mark Schindler and Rhett Bauer to talk all things Indiana Pacers and the NBA. So, Mark, Rhett, how you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, Alex. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm, uh, I am I can't complain. It's a, it's a Monday in December in the middle of Ohio, and it's not raining or snowing right now. So, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i pretty thrilled, dude. And basketball starts in two days. I was just recording a podcast earlier pre- previewing the Knicks game, so... Uh, it feels like I'm we're sorry. back in full swing, man. What, what do you mean you're sorry? I could talk, dude. It's basketball. <laughs> I just talked for the, for an hour about the Knicks, and I'm thrilled. His life is good, man. Yeah, an hour about the Knicks. Woo. Yeah, that's uh, basketball. That's, is that's exciting. That's all I care about. Okay. Yeah, I'm, actual basketball. How much time did you spend talking about Obi Toppin? Uh, like probably like seven minutes of the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think he's my pick for Rookie of the Year this year. I think. Uh, I don't know if he's my I he's not gonna start, so that's my thing. I, oh, he's not starting? No, he's Julius mm-hmm. Randle's starting right now. So yeah. Uh, what are they doing? Uh, until it's um, unless Julius Randle gets traded, he's not gonna start. 
I don't think anybody wants that contract. But anyway, we're here to talk some Pacers basketball. So first things first, I mean, the latest news, it's around 6 o'clock here on a Monday evening, and Goga Batadze is going to be out indefinitely for at least two weeks with an ankle injury. And, you know, I this is a guy that a lot of people are excited to see, a guy that you feel comfortable with if they do trade one of the bigs at some time. I know Miles has been mentioned the most, but it's someone that the franchise really believes in. But are you guys getting at all a little bit worried about Goga or how his whole career has kind of started off here? I don't think we can be worried too much about it just because – we haven't seen anything from him to know if it's that big of a deal like that he's missing on the floor it should be a big deal because he should be getting a significant number of the backup center minutes but it just kind of seems like bad luck at this point yeah I would agree I mean I am a little bit worried that they're all lower body injuries um just because in a big that's not great um but overall I mean you you wouldn't have known that he had anything going on um in the preseason game that he did play, he looked pretty fluid on the floor. I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I mean, it's not great, but it, like like Rhett just mentioned, I uh, overall I still am not really convinced that he's going to be getting more playing time than he did last year. So it's not a it, it's not great, but it's not the the worst thing ever team wise. Well, I, I got to ask you this, Mark, because I think it was on your podcast. It might have been with Rhett. You guys were talking about like what Miles Turner is versus what everybody, you know, thinks Miles Turner can be kind of, am I, am I saying that right? Or did you guys word it differently? It's the theoretical version of Miles versus the, the real version of Miles or the actual version of Miles. Is, is, I feel like we're kind of starting to go down that path of Goga a little bit. Uh, I don't know, man. Like it's, I think it's he, really early, but it's like, it's kind of just feels like that's, that's direction where that's the direction that we're heading. Well, I mean, it's tough because we're in a spot where we don't really get to see him play in leverage moments. I mean, when he, he, he didn't play a whole ton in the preseason game, but he, he, I mean, he's making contact on screens now. And I'm, I'm not just saying that in a, in a joking, unfair manner. I mean, he actually is. That was a big problem for him last year. Uh, he was taking threes without hesitation. I believe he took four in the game. It was three or four. Um, and he connected on one of them. Like he, he looks better already this year, um, which is, I mean, that's a stride. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's his second year. I, I don't want to get too, uh, I don't want to get too riled up about him at the, just right off the bat. You know, I think he showed growth in the bubble that I really liked. I, I'm still high on him. I, I don't want to say that we're getting to that, to that stage yet. And he's still the youngest player on the team. So. Any other thoughts for it? Uh, no, I, I pretty much echo most of that. I, I just think it's, you don't know really what Goga can be but it's also okay right now because you have the two bigs. Uh, and as far as it being lower body injuries right now, it's just an ankle sprain. So if it was like ACL or, you know, I, I know that the science behind those and the medicine and all that has made it. So ACL tears aren't that big of a deal, but it doesn't seem like a, a super career altering injury. So mm-hmm. I'm hopefully he can come back and uh, at least get some more real minutes as backup center. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is the best news for Miles as far as, you know, not worrying about his minutes being cut into. Now, I don't even know if Gogo is going to do that, but I think now we can see Bjorkren kind of stagger him and uh, him and Domas's minutes, and maybe he'll get an uptick in minutes. And this probably provides another opportunity for Jakar Sampson to get some uh, third-string center minutes in as well if there's any foul trouble. Yeah, that's not a 
great thing. No, uh, that's not. <laughs> it, it is a thing, and it's nice to have a body capable of going out there and playing those minutes. Um, but if you're down to your third string center, uh, things probably aren't going super great anyways. Yeah, I would almost say, actually, like, if you have two guys that you're spending, you know, just about $40 million on that both play the center position, if one of them is not playing center at some point in the game, that's uh, that's a problem. So uh, as much as I love Gogan that he should be getting time and this is not, I mean, I've talked about this so in depth and I feel like repeatedly about how this is just, it's just an awkward roster fit and way that things are, are strung out. And we're, I think we're still going to see a change with it eventually. Um, But overall, I mean, yeah, there, if, if miles or Domas is not manning the five position at some point in time, that's a a little confusing to me. Like I, I love Jakar. Um, but overall, I think you have to find ways to make those two guys the, the, the guys you're playing at the five. Yeah, and I mean, especially in the regular season, like if Goga's not going to be there for the next couple of weeks, I really don't want to see Jakar. I I want to figure out a way to split up those minutes strictly between Domas and Miles. Like, may, I mean, it's a lot better than seeing Keelan Martin play the five like we got to see in preseason. You know, like I don't want any of that to happen. But it's uh, it's just a little bit of cause for concern when it comes to Goga for me just because like, this is a guy that I think a lot of people are like, I've seen a lot of different people's reactions on Goga. Some people think he's a bust. Some people think that he's, you know, super exciting and going to be the next, you know, best backup center in the NBA. Like, I mean, I've just seen plenty of takes on Goga and I'm just wondering, like with all these injuries concerns, like just the weirdness that his entire career has had, like not being able to play in summer league the last two years, you know, the whole thing with him getting here late with his visa, then the injuries and then playing for McMillan and now another injury. It's just like, to me, it's like this is a guy that I am pretty excited about, someone I have a lot of high hopes for, but I feel like my hopes are slowly being taken down a couple notches the more and more I see uh, these injuries reoccurring and just just how weird his whole entire you know short NBA career has been. Have faith, Alex. That's my way to put it. <laughs> I'm not trying to be pessimistic. That's the thing. I mean, I still think that the guy could be really good. I just I, I want to see it come to fruition, but – um, that'll tell this season. We'll see if he gets some time, but I do want to switch over and talk a little NBA today. So a lot of you guys are probably getting blown up on Twitter with uh, Woj and Shams bombs talking about all these uh, rookie extensions. And I'm, I'm curious, Rhett, your thoughts on some of these guys. Give me one that stands out as a good deal. And one that stands out as a, maybe a bit of a reach or someone you're surprised that did not get extended. Uh, Lonzo ball is one I'm surprised did not get extended. Uh, surprised and not surprised because Obviously, there was a number the Pelicans were willing to pay, and that wasn't what Lonzo thought he was worth. But I think that uh, him playing a full year with Zion and with Ingram without Drew Holiday could end up getting Lonzo a pretty good payday come restricted free agency. And so far, the best deal of the extensions has got to be OG Ananobi. The, the, the bane of every Pacers fan's existence since uh, 2017. <laughs> Yeah, a mark. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with OG. I mean, four for seventy-two. The last year's a player option, but still, um, I I even think that's low for him. Um, Derek White got a four for seventy-three, which I thought was good value. I mean, he's a really good player. A lot of people don't know him because the Spurs aren't exactly uh, primetime basketball anymore. But he's a really good player. Uh, I think um, that was a good deal for him. Uh, I think the ones that really stand out to me, though, are, are the ones that didn't happen. I mean, John Collins did not get an extension. Um, I know I talked to Chris Kirshner, who covers the team, uh, probably two weeks ago, um, and he wasn't for sure at the moment, you know, whether or not they were going to have that happen. 
uh, whether or not they were going to offer that. And obviously, I mean, they brought in a ton of guys who were um, could potentially be taking minutes there. Uh, I mean, obviously, Danilo Gallinari was one of the biggest free agent signings this this off season. Um, so it's it's a very odd spot, you know, that I don't want to speak into existence. He's going to be a trade candidate. But um, the fact that they didn't have an extension happen um, and they're headed into a pretty high leverage year for Atlanta, considering they have playoff expectations. Um, it's it's interesting. I don't know. It'll be uh, it, this is already stuff that's really starting to shape what the market's going to look like for 2021, considering, um, you know, how. Uh, depleted the the free agent market is this upcoming summer. You know, no, that's a great point. And I, I think I saw a report that John Collins wanted to have an extension done. So that for them not to be able to get that done by the deadline, I'm sure is not, you know, a great taste in his mouth. And we'll see how that goes in restricted free agency this upcoming offseason, because with all these, you know, big ticket guys like Giannis, Bam Adebayo resigning in the offseason, I mean, I think it just kind of takes away from, uh, you know, who's going to be out there on the market. So that's going to help John Collins get a bigger contract. And um, unfortunately, I don't know if, if the Hawks will match everything that he's offered because with not as many, you know, teams having cap space, thinking they were going to have a chance at Giannis, now kind of having maybe to dip into some restricted free agency, that could be a uh, a nice little payday for John Collins. And, I, and another guy that did not get an extension was Laurie Markin. And now I've, I've been underwhelmed with Laurie since he came into the league. I thought he was going to be pretty special. And then, I don't know. I just haven't really felt that from him yet. And so he doesn't get um, an extension as well. So I'll be interested to see what happens with him. But I, I, I am curious, what are your guys' thoughts on what the Orlando Magic did extending both Fultz and injury, uh, unfortunately, injury-prone Jonathan Isaac? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, if put it like this, if Jonathan Isaac plays like, shoot, uh, how many games are in a season? That's a dumb question. 82. Um, so 82 games for four years is what, like, um, 320 games. If Jonathan Isaac plays like 260 games, then he already exceeds the value of this contract. Like yeah. if he's healthy, I think he's in a hundred, he's probably close to a hundred million dollar player last year. Yes. He would have been, he had a legitimate case. If, if the season ended after 35 games, I would have probably put him second for defensive player of the year. He's that good. Yep. Um, and he's a young player still, obviously the injuries are concerning. Um, but if he's healthy, I mean, he is probably, the best player on the Orlando Magic, or at least the one with the most upside. Vucevic is still their best player. but And I like the deal for Fultz. Some people are flaming it, but I think he's going to surprise people this year. He's a really good player, um, and I think he's going to take a step. I, I know we're a little bit down on Orlando, but I, I, I don't think that they're going to be just completely out of the playoff mix this year. They're going to be a solid team. Yeah, so the way I'm looking at it is you're exactly right, Mark, in that Jonathan Isaac was in the defensive player of the year conversation, like legitimately one of the best defensive players in the league. And so that right there, if he wins defensive player of the year, qualifies him for the Supermax. And he got half of that. And so I know that he's not healthy. And I know that Fultz had his own share of issues or anything like that. But if I'm an Orlando Magic fan, I am happy that the organization is rolling the dice a little bit within reason on guys with that much upside, both defensively and offensively for, for Fultz. Uh, I don't know if Isaac would be the best player on the team because of his, I don't know how much he can create for himself and create for others offensively, but I, I would, if I'm an Orlando magic fan, I'm very happy with both of those extensions just because I 
personally believe in Marco Fultz's ceiling. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the one number one overall pick for a reason. Uh, and then Jonathan Isaac, anybody who has that defensive impact on par with Rudy Gobert, uh, getting him for only $20 million a year instead of $40 million a year is a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, I'm a little bit too obsessed with defense sometimes. I have to walk <laughs> that back. Not the best player on the team, but uh, one of the most impactful. Um, definitely one of the 10 best defensive players in basketball when healthy. Um, but like you mentioned with Laurie Market and Alex, what was crazy to me is the difference on where they were at with the extension. I don't, I don't know if you saw that report today, but it came out that, um, you know, the Bulls were offering like an 11 million per year offer. And oh, yikes. Laurie Market was looking for 20 a year. Like that is a huge, huge barrier between where they're at. Yeah, me in um, the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like 16, so they, 15 sounds good to me. Yeah, it's it's really it shows like the true difference in where where they're at. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that this year. Yeah, that's that is interesting. I mean, I, I think the Pacers, I don't know how much they're going to be involved in free agency this upcoming season. Oh, they will um, be. Yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're going to have to re-sign Vic. It's depending on how he plays and if he wants to be here. So, I mean, that's that's priority number one. And then I would say McDermott that's probably got to be up there on their priority list of trying to get him back just because they need all the three-point shooting they can in this Bjorken system. And then TJ McConnell, I think, is that's someone that they can probably just uh, move on from because I, I, I'm still a little bit – I don't know if we've talked a lot about this or not or if you guys have talked about this or not, but I am a little bit concerned about McConnell in this Bjorken system. And one of the questions I've just been kind of thinking, watching the limited preseason that I have, do we have the right roster makeup for this Bjorken system? I think so. Um, I get that TJ is, is different, but I think it's also important too to look at you. You can't just have a, a roster chock full of the same kind of players. Um, you have to have different kind of guys. And um, I, I think I would agree to an extent, like what we've already seen in preseason is that Aaron holiday is going to play over TJ McConnell, which is, that was one of my biggest questions coming into the Bjorkren era because I think Aaron should have been playing over TJ last year, frankly. Um, and luckily we're seeing that now. Uh, TJ is a really good player. He can do some good things for the bench, but in the right doses um, and in the right scenarios. And I think he just provides some more versatility and he's still one of the better playmakers and, and ball handlers on the team. And I'm, that's important. You have to have a guy who can bring that um, if, you know, Malcolm's out one night or even if Aaron's out one night, you know, I think it's a, uh, well, I, I get like, you know, I personally, I don't think he's someone who needs to shoot threes because he's just not good at them. So I don't yeah. really care for him to shoot threes. Um, but getting less of the TJ McConnell eight foot um, off his back foot fadeaways would be uh, ideal. But again, it was just preseason. So I think he's going to play a lot less uh, during the regular season. Yeah, the the TJ McConnell Aaron holiday minutes. Uh, dispersal was my biggest takeaway from preseason because that was what that was my whole thing after watching the preseason games is just Aaron holiday fits this so much better. And the Pacers ceiling relies on Aaron holiday being uh, who we saw when he was starting for a little bit last year. And and I know he had a a couple of games stretch where he was at like 15 points, four rebounds, four assists, and a little bit over a steal. And like, that's the type of player that the Pacers are going to need Aaron holiday to be. Um, if we're going to go the route of not having a true superstar uh, waiting on to see if Vic can be healthy. So I am really hoping that Bjorkren sees that. And uh, I, I completely agree that McConnell doesn't need to be taking threes, but it's also, it's the same conversation that Mark and I had a little bit about Domas is 
it's flow of the offense, you know, like if you're going to get an open corner three, like just take the shot, you know, you don't, you don't need to dribble underneath the basket and, and try to create something in the last 10 seconds of a shot clock. No, I, I, I think when it comes to TJ, like my thing with TJ is like, I don't want him to change who he is as a player and try to be something that he's yeah. not. And that's my biggest concern. It's like, that's true. I understand like wanting to go out there and shoot a bunch of threes and, and play a different style. Like I, I felt like the Pacers last year, the pace picked up significantly when he was out there on the court because he does a great job of pushing the ball and this, this full court pressure that we've been seeing, you know, Bjork and wanting guys to get up into their, you know, on defense, get up into the players. So like, I I think that McConnell is great at that, but I am a little bit worried about, you know, his inability to shoot the ball because it takes him like five to six seconds to load up the shot then to get it off, it's like I just don't know if he is the most effective player in this system. Now, if you're if you're keeping him to be that third string point guard and just be insurance, then I'm completely fine with it. But I I just I have concerns just because of last year. Maybe it's a little PTSD, but I don't really want to see Aaron Holiday's minutes be any way impacted because TJ McConnell's you know getting more minutes than him, especially knowing Aaron wants a more significant role with this team. And he's going to be up for a contract extension that we just kind of mentioned. Uh, these all these guys getting these extensions. That's going to be Aaron Holiday next year. Yeah, and he should have a bigger role. Like, there's there's really no reason to play a TJ McConnell on an expiring, not even fully guaranteed deal for this year. It's guaranteed now, but it wasn't coming into the season. So, obviously, the priority should be with the player who's eligible for a rookie extension, and not the guy who's on an expiring three and a half million dollar deal. Oh yeah, for sure. So I, I'm, this is kind of like, uh, I, I guess like just randomly, I'm going to ask you guys, but have you guys thought about your NBA player awards yet? Like any predictions or any thoughts on them? Um, yeah. I mean, I think my pick for MVP this year, um, if I was betting, I would probably take Dame Willard. Um, I Dame. Think, yeah. I think Portland's going to end up probably a three, four seed in oh, the West. Wow. Um, they're going to be good this year. Dallas, if, KP was actually healthy. I would think about Luca, but I don't think Dallas is going to be good enough um, or win enough games for him to, to win MVP, even if he takes a meaningful step. Um, I don't really bank on AD or LeBron garnering MVP because I think both LA teams are probably going to take things a little bit light um, in the season, especially the, the, the Lakers after having a really deep run. Um, I think they're going to just kind of, I mean, they'll, they'll rest guys on back-to-backs. They're not going to be playing guys full starter load minutes at least not to start the year I'd be kind of surprised if they do um they I mean they were the team that really went all out for it last year so I don't see them doing that again this year um knowing that they know that they have what it takes to get there I think we'll see a little bit not full like Cleveland level coasting but um (laughs) at least I hope not Mm -hmm. um but we'll uh we'll probably see some of that and I feel like that's kind of going to be the same with the Clippers a little bit um, and I just think Portland, they maximized their roster so much. They had, the, you know, a lot of people pointed to last year and said that Portland was uh, a disappointment. Um, they had five of their top eight rotation players miss most of the year. So I don't really get how that's a disappointment. Like it's disappointing to be a fan and like your team doesn't succeed. But when you are missing that many guys, it's not really on the team. It's just injury luck happens as we know with the Pacers. So um, I bank on Portland being pretty damn good this year. Yeah, I think for those people that think Giannis is going to win three in a row, oh, it's not I just happen. don't see it. No, I don't think that voter fatigue is way too real, and that puts him in some ridiculous company. 
um, between Bill Russell, uh, Wilt, and Larry Bird. Like that's, I just don't see that. But my pick would probably be Luca. Um, even without KP, I think that uh, I think that he'll just. I think they'll be a top four seed, and that he will improve on last year. And I think it'll be really hard to not give it to him. And Dame is an interesting pick. And I think Jokic is up there as well, just by nature of the Nuggets being such a good team and uh, having lost Jeremy Grant, I think Jokic is going to have to do a little bit more uh, offensively to just carry the load of, of what Jeremy Grant uh, left behind, even though Michael Porter Jr. may or may not be starting. Well, Mark, I, I was kind of surprised when you said without KP, you think that could impact Luca in a negative way, or were you saying the Mavericks? Because I feel like oh well, yeah, I just mean because your, without your KP, Luca's going to be the show. <laughs> well, yeah, he's going to be the show, but you have to be, you know, Good when's enough. the last time we saw an MVP on a team that wasn't like top five or six in the league? It just doesn't Westbrook, happen like four Westbrook. years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was the only guy. But though, and people I don't think... love Luca. I, I mean, the Luca, it's the Luca love is is running wild. <laughs> no, I agree, but I think I mean you look at Damian Lillard put up if if Portland was 10 games better last year dame finishes top three in mvp voting um he had just a remarkable year um especially after the trade deadline he had that insane tear where he had like four or five 50 point games like um being on a really good team makes a big difference to whether or not you garner mvp consideration so i think um i just don't know if dallas is going to be good enough without porzingis okay fair enough yeah i just i've i've, I've been listening to some different podcasts give out their thoughts and you know, I'm I'm on the Luka train for MVP this year. I, I just feel like that makes the most sense. I feel like defensive player of the year, it's kind of tough because I'm not really sure who's going to win it. I think you want to default to usually a big man, and I think Rudy Gobert is usually that guy, maybe Giannis again. But it's it's a really tough award for me to pick. Do you have anybody at defensive player of the year you guys are interested in? Anthony Davis, I think. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think AD is a good choice. Um I'm trying to think of who else I put there. Obviously, it's not going to be a guard because it's never a guard. We haven't yeah. seen a guard win it since Gary Payton. I think uh, Ben Simmons has a good chance too, depending on what Philly looks like and if he's healthy the whole year. Um, or Houston, right? <laughs> oh yeah, no. it, uh, yeah, sure. Um, maybe Joel Embiid too. Like, I mean, Joel Embiid yeah. could be the best defender in the league if he's giving it his all every game. And part of it's, I mean, he just has—he's a big dude. Stamina's not great, but. Um, yeah, it's hard to really project that one without seeing what the defenses are going to look like. But AD is a good choice to start off. Yeah, with. I actually think that's what I put on Twitter whenever someone, I think it was Jabari, uh, Ollie Davis, actually was like, quote, tweet this and fill it in. And I think I did pick Anthony Davis. I think a lot of that will probably come to like with the pressure from voters because he was so upset about not getting it last year. And then with them winning the title, I think it just kind of solidified his name. Like that's why I think LeBron might get more MVP votes this year. Uh, just because some people want to vote for him because they want to be like, you know, <laughs> say that say that out loud. That they I'm not a narrative vote person. But yeah. people are. I don't agree with it either, Mark. I'm with you. But people do. Unfortunately, Ramona Shelburne came out and said it. Like, yeah, I, remember. yeah. I was not thrilled about that. No, it's like super tacky. So, OK, so there we go. Uh, let's finish this out real quick. Just kind of throw out our predictions for these awards. So rookie of the year. I said I had Obi Toppin earlier. Mark, who do you got? Um. I think, oh gosh, that's a good question. Maybe Isaac Okor or Cole Anthony is probably who I'd throw out right away. Um, I know a lot of people would be like, oh, well, LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo Ball is going to be really good in time. Um, he's already showing a lot of his just insane passing ability, like one of the best pure passers in the league already. 
Um, but I think he's going to have a lot of issues with turnovers to start because he's um, still working on that. Like obviously a really high level read guy, but just working on cleaning up some of that. And his shot selection is a, a work in progress. Like if he shot below 40% from the field this year, I would not be surprised. Um, so I personally don't think that he's going to be a rookie of the year guy. I mean, I guess you could point at Anthony Edwards and be like, well, he's going to score the most points. And that's true. Probably um, maybe James Wiseman has a really good season, but I still think I would go with uh, maybe Cole Anthony or Isaac Okoro. Isaac Okoro showed a lot more as a scorer in yeah. the preseason than I was anticipating. Well, don't you um, think um, Colin Sexton kind of impacts that though, when he comes back? Yes and no. I mean, I just think they're so bereft of really good wings on that team yeah. that, Isaac Core is going to play big minutes. All right, yeah. Rip. I've got uh, Mello and Wiseman up there for me. I just think Golden State, especially with Draymond missing the opener, um, it, it could get ugly for them as a team um, like halfway through the season. And so at that point, they might try to get Wiseman as involved as possible. You know, like coming out – on a team with Steph Clay and Draymond, you don't need Wiseman to do that much because they're trying to win. But without Clay, without Draymond for a little bit, Wiseman might have to be more involved than uh, than what a lot of people are thinking. And then Lamelo, I mean, Rookie of the Year typically goes to points scored unless the game is played is an issue. Like it's just it's pretty common that. It's just whoever scores the most. And I think LaMelo will be up there. Uh, I don't think Edwards will be top three. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have too much going on over in uh, in Minnesota. They they should feature him. But with D'Lo and, you know, Culver, Akogi, Rubio, Beasley, that's just a lot of – that's a lot of mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. No love for Cassius Stanley there, huh, Rhett? <laughs> uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I left him off. Oh yeah. So, um, okay. The next one we'll do most improved, which is the, always the hardest one to predict. I, I don't even know who I put out there, but who do you guys have? I think I actually said OG Ananobi is who I had for most improved player this year. Yeah. I mean, it always goes to somebody who it's not even necessarily like it never goes to the guy who actually improved the most. Right. Um, it just goes to somebody who gets a lot more opportunity. So I guess OG is a good choice. Um, I'm still not entirely sure that he's going to get that. Like his role will probably increase quite a bit, but I'm not sure how much, uh, but he's a good selection. Um, I I don't even know who else I would pick it. This one's really tough. Yeah. It's, it's just it a is. guess, you know, yeah. it's just like, it's their most improved because you don't see them improving like that, you know? Um, so I think for me, Markel Fultz is, is my, oh, yeah. has he been be my, has been my guess. Uh, but DeJounte Murray also, but that's also just because I'm obsessed with DeJounte Murray. Oh, we know. All your trade ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So I, am I missing any other awards? Have I done them all? Six man, I don't really think anybody cares about that, right? Coach and executive. Mm, no. I don't I don't really have any any thoughts on either of those. See, yeah. coach and executive are so dumb because executive, it's stuff that like, okay, well, we could be like, all right, this year you get executive of the year for like Rob Plink or whatever, which I think you shouldn't have gotten it. Um like, cool, you got Anthony Davis, but that's more because Anthony Davis wanted to be there than you actually getting him there. Um, I mean, they got totally hosed in the trade, even though you would make that trade 10 times over, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you look at, like, Tim Connolly, who runs uh, Denver. I mean, I guess you could have given him executive of the year, but it's weird because it's like you he would get executive of the year because he's been awesome for five years in the draft. 
um, mm-hmm. and like building things out. So like executive of the year, just it's weird to have it be just like a one-off thing. I don't know. Um, and coach of the year is just always kind of annoying. So it's like, Oh, who won the most games this year? Well, I guess you can be the coach of the year. Like I I'm over it. So uh, on to the next one. Yeah. So I guess my biggest question here for this, for the coaching discussion, what coach or what top, I guess, give me your top three coaches of who you think gets fired first this season. Ooh, that's a good. Question. I mean, you got to start with Luke Walton, right? That's just, so. yeah. that's just every single year. He's just at the top of the list. Uh, I think Mark, I hope so. Yeah, bad, <laughs> well, I mean, if he wasn't a bad human being, I wouldn't care, but bad human being, bad coach. I hope he gets axed pretty quick. And there's a new front office as well. They kept him for now, but Alvin Gentry is there. I wouldn't be surprised if they axed. Yeah. Well. Same that's with Lloyd the, Pierce. That's exactly right. Lloyd I, Pierce. See, yeah. I hope that they don't ax Lloyd Pierce. He's a good coach. They've just been so bad recently. I like, and also just from what we've seen, I don't think Nate McMillan is the coach for an Atlanta team. But it's also an Atlanta team that wants to be good, and they think they yep. have the pieces to be good. So if they come out and don't start well, they're like, oh, here's a coach on our bench that we know can get teams into the playoffs. Like, no, I know. I, like, I, I Trust me, I love Nate McMillan. It's, just, yeah. it's, so, it's a weird weird dynamic. It is. Know. Yep. Well, I think, I think one that's kind of a dark horse, and he was kind of a dark horse last year in the playoffs when their team went down four games to one to the Heat is – Coach Bud and I and I know he's a good coach. Oh no way! But I I think that's mm. a dark horse. Not maybe the first mm. coach, but I think he is someone that could, especially if they get upset early on. Like I'm not saying they'll get out in the like they'll be knocked out in the first round because if they do that, that's embarrassing. But oh yeah, well if they lose early in the playoffs, then yeah, I could see that. But like during, I thought you meant during the year. No, oh, I just mean yeah. like I just mean like by by the beginning of next season. Like I know these other coaches could be fired like during the mm-hmm. season. I don't think Bud will be fired during the season, but like I could see Giannis being like, okay, we got to change things up. Like, yeah. This yeah if they make all the roster changes and they still don't have playoff success, I mean, the next best thing you can yeah, look at. If they're still playing Pat Connaughton 15 minutes. Or if Giannis yeah. is capped at 31 minutes a game in game seven or of a playoff yeah. game. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, okay. Oh, Ryan okay. Yeah, oh, you beat me. I was about to say ah, my sorry. number one pick in the bad coaches draft is yeah. Ryan Saunders. He's not very good. <laughs> yeah, they. It's. I mean, it's tough because Minnesota has been so bad, but like he definitely is not helping there. Um, so yeah, I yeah. would agree. And they, they shouldn't, but they have kind of like playoff expectations. Like yeah, they're they not. They're like I don't think that they should be expected to make the playoffs, but they're not a team that's trying to be bad. Uh, yeah. So. I don't. Yeah, they're in a weird spot, man. And I, I, I don't know if Ryan Saunders is long for that position. So, well, they're gonna have to do something because I'm sure. Like, I guess we could just gonna go ahead and run through our with our Western and Eastern Conference standings. If you guys, do you guys have those kind of penciled down, or do you have any idea of where yeah, you? Yeah, I have people? mine. Yeah, I All have right. it in tears. Okay. Yeah. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about that. All right, everybody, we're back. And so we're just basically talking NBA mostly today. Not a whole lot of Pacery news, but I, I do think this is Pacers related. We've gone through it with different guests that we've had on setting the pace, but I'm curious, Mark and Rhett, we'll start with you, Mark. Eastern Conference, um, let's just go through your standings here. What you got? Yeah, um, I mean, number one for me is the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, obviously, they were, I don't want to say laughing stock, but they did get kind of dogged for everything that happened in uh, you know the playoffs and the offseason as well. But it's pretty clear that they're the best team in the regular season and until i see it not happen i'm 
picking them number one easily. They're in their own tier. Um, then right behind them, I have, um, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to say for sure. I mean, I think Miami's going to be right back there. I don't, I don't want to say that Miami's not as uh, as good as the other teams. Like, I, I don't think that it was a mirage that they did well in the bubbles, but I think the situation helped them a little bit. I, I think it would be unfair to say otherwise. Um, but, I mean, like Miami, uh, Philadelphia, they're right in there for me as well. Um, I think Boston's going to take a step back this year. Just A, Kemba's going to be out for a while. They Losing Gordon Hayward was huge for them. Um, they didn't really replace their depth. I mean, not even replace. They didn't really fill out in terms of depth that much. So I'm a little bit concerned about that with them. Um, I mean, obviously they bring in Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson, which does a little bit, but um, I think Toronto is going to take a step back, obviously losing uh, their, their center rotation. Um, not like they're going to be bad, but they'll probably be around like four to six. So there's like that conglomerate of, of teams uh, in that second tier that are all pretty good, but like, I don't think are title contenders. And then you have Indiana in their own tier for me. Um, and then Atlanta is not too far behind, in my opinion. Um, depends what they look like. Uh, you know, they have a lot of moving pieces uh, coming in, and they have a lot of stuff to figure out defensively as well as offensively. I mean, that's a lot of new guys to, to integrate. Uh, I think Washington is going to be really good, and they could be kind of in that tier with Atlanta. Um, and then uh, I don't – do you want me to do the back end? Because the back end is just kind of – they're all – yeah, I mean, I guess that you go up to your top 10 because I guess the play-in game is still a thing, right? Yeah, that was my top 10. Okay. I guess cool. like Chicago would probably be my 10th team. Oh my God, I forgot about Brooklyn. Brooklyn is in that second tier for me, but I'm not <laughs> as high on Brooklyn as everyone else is. Yeah, I'm, I'm higher on them probably, but I'll, I'll let Rhett go ahead and give his thoughts. Yeah, so nothing terribly unique here. Milwaukee up top uh, pretty clearly, uh, like Mark said, until they prove otherwise, I think that it's going to be them up top pretty sure uh so then the second tier brooklyn toronto miami philly i actually have boston in the tier below that i really do think that that kimba being out and hayward not being there is going to put a lot on jalen and uh jason and they're great players but they're not the facilitator that hayward was um and maybe marcus smart and jeff t can take over those two responsibilities but i'm not sure so Third tier, Boston, Indiana. I actually have Washington in this tier as well. I I just have a hard time putting them down with Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, which would be my next three, just because Westbrook and Beal is like, that's just two very, very good players. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I, I don't know. I'm just very intrigued with Washington. I would borderline have them finishing above Indiana. That would be my hot take. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I just, if if things go right in Washington and things go wrong in Indiana, Washington could finish above the Pacers pretty cleanly. I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. I um, like, I like Washington, but I'm a little worried about their defense because Thomas Bryant's not a great defensive center, not a good rebounder. I mean, they got shooters that can shoot the heck out of the basketball. So, I mean, they could win a lot of games like they did last year with just offense. I mean, having Russ is huge. Like I like the pickup. But I just don't think that they're that, uh, I don't know. I just I don't think they're that much better than Indiana. I mean, that I'm, close to Indiana. I think it's like Indiana and an O tier by themselves, and then Washington just like right below them. But I think Indiana is just better overall. Well, yeah. I mean, I think just to piggyback off Rhett, like I have Atlanta and Washington in the same tier, like just below Indiana, but like just below in terms of if there's like a significant injury to Indy, I think one of those teams could pretty easily jump over Indiana. Um, yep. 
But I mean, with Washington too, like I think that they'll have a top three offense in the league this year. Like they have that kind of spacing and talent on their offense. And it wouldn't really shock me too much. I know their defense isn't going to be great, but they have a lot of like pretty competent defenders on the wing uh, and in the, their forwards. And I know Thomas Bryant's not great, but he showed some flashes of improvement in the bubble. Um, and Bradley Beal on a good team is a good defender. So yep. I'm not really as worried about their defense as I am about Atlanta's defense. Like Atlanta exactly. could have a really bad defense. Like they could finish 28th in defense. I won't be shocked. Um, yep. But it, it just, it's going to be interesting. I think we'll have a better picture after about two or three weeks. Yeah, and I'm pretty bullish on this. I think that the Magic are going to miss the playoffs this year, even the playing game. I just, I don't buy Orlando for some reason. I think reason. they should. I think they should make the like they should be like in that nine to ten range. But I, I don't know why. I I kind of like what the Hornets are doing, even though they went out and overpaid for Gordon Hayward. I just think, I think they're a team that could push Orlando for that final tenth spot, because I think a lot of us probably have the the top nine as the same. Uh, my my mine in order real quick is just one Milwaukee, two Brooklyn. I'm a little bit higher on them just because I just believed in Kevin Durant. Uh, three Philadelphia, four Miami, five Boston, six Toronto. Seven Indiana, eight Washington, nine Atlanta, ten Charlotte, eleven Orlando, twelve Chicago, and then Cavs, Knicks, Pistons to round it out. So that's where I'm at when I'm looking at this. When I'm looking at this Eastern Conference, yeah. Love well, if Chicago, Jonathan Isaac was, oh, if uh, if Jonathan Isaac was healthy, I think Orlando is a probably the eighth seed. I would agree, home. but yeah, I mean, without Jonathan Isaac, I'm just not high on them this year. I don't know if their defense is going to be as good as it was, uh, unless Chumo Kiki just like is incredible in his rookie year after missing what would have been his rookie year um there I, I don't know i mean things could be different like if markel fultz wins most improved player then yep. maybe orlando's in that eighth seed conversation but right now i have them on the outside looking in and i think orlando is a prime candidate for trades that don't make them better you know like with vooch and aaron gordon and 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 pretty much just those two and 48 yeah. i guess maybe ross terrence ross maybe yeah terrence ross as well like they have just pieces that contenders might want. Like if Boston came to came to Orlando and was like, hey, here's stuff for Vucevic <laughs> to put in that trade exception, what do they do? I don't know. I'm just – it's just something – I think Orlando could easily be a seller, uh, especially with Isaac being out. They could be a seller. They could try to be a little bit worse, get a little bit better pick in a stack draft or what's supposed to be a stack draft, and then uh, retool for next year. But, yeah, I don't know. That actually wouldn't be a bad idea for Orlando to kind of not to not tank, but just like kind of make some moves that help them get a better draft pick because they are pretty young. And I think just kind of embracing that youth movement might be smart for them. But I understand like being too young can be a problem as well. You got to have veterans on your roster. And that's kind of why Atlanta brought in a guy like Danil Gallinari and Rajon Rondo to kind of just put some grownups in the room. And I think that that's, you know, that's, that's the gamble you take if you do end up trading a guy like Vucevic. I don't think Aaron Gordon's someone that is going to be on that team long term. I know that I have uh, an interest in Aaron Gordon for the Pacers, but it's kind of died down quite a bit uh, from a couple years ago. But moving to the Western Conference, this is probably the hardest conference to predict. Are there? I mean, before we get into our standings, is there anything you're bullish on, Mark, as far as the Western Conference? Um, I mean, you already heard mine. I think Portland's going to be really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I don't think that New Orleans is going to make the playoffs. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah. Um, so you want to do standings? We can. I will just say that I am a, I'm, I don't know why, but I did it last year too. And it's probably a bad take, but I'm bullish on the Warriors making the playoffs. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I think that they'll make the playoffs, but I'm not, I guess a lot depends on health throughout the season, but I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously hurting without clay. They went from being a contender with clay or like a kind of a dark horse contender with clay. Cause they still had a lot of questions to, um, I don't think they're going to be good enough to, to get there, but that's, that's just, I don't know. Again, we'll see. I don't know if Andrew Wiggins has like some career revitalization, like I think he's going to every single year for the last <laughs> seven years, maybe, but uh, probably not. No, I mean, I think this is the best spot for him to try to prove that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I like them getting Ubre. I, I, I did you guys say Draymond was going to be out for the first game? I thought I heard that. I yep, yeah, so, confirmed he's that, out. Oh, uh, why is he out? Foot, I think. Damn it. Okay, well, I have to change my fantasy lineup now. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a, a bummer for me because I don't want him to be injury prone. But I just feel like this is a team that everybody just kind of overlooked, obviously, because they had such a bad year. Even without Clay, I just Steph is such a special player, and I think sometimes we forget about that, even though it's only been a year. People are just kind of taking him out of the conversation. Like, if he has an MVP-like season, like, <laughs> I don't think that it's going to elevate the Warriors to, like, a top three or four seed, but definitely the back half of the Western Conference if he kind of goes off like he did when he was unanimous MVP. So um, the surrounding parts are going to be huge for them, and that's a little bit of my concern with predicting them to make the playoffs. But let's just go for it. So, Mark, give me your uh, give me your 1 through 15 in the West. Yeah, so uh... – I'll start off by saying 15 for me is Oklahoma city. Um, Oklahoma city is not going to be anywhere close to making the playoffs. Um, One for me would be the Lakers. I mean, they have to be coming in. They got better on the margins. They restructured their team a little bit. I I think that you, it would be wrong to not put them number one. Um, I think Denver and LA, uh, the Clippers are in kind of their same little echelon number two, but I'm less, but I think, High on Denver in the regular season, less bullish in the playoffs. Um, losing Jeremy Grant was huge for them. Uh, I think Jeremy Grant got, I don't want to say overrated, but like his impact to Denver was worth a lot more than his impact is going to be to Detroit. Um, he was the only guy on that team who could defend threes and fours. And uh, I, they have no one who I really trust to do that now. So I, I'm, I'm not bullish on them you know, in the, in a playoff series, they have no one who's going to be able to defend LeBron or Kawhi or Paul George or any of the big wings. Um, but I still think they will be a good regular season team. Um, that kind of next tier for me is just Utah and Portland. And I think Portland will be better, uh, but Utah people are writing off Utah and it's crazy to me, man. Um, I know that they, they lost in the first round of the playoffs after going up three, one, they had Mike Conley miss most of their playoff series Bojan Bogdanovic missed the entire playoff series and he was their second best offensive player for most of the last year. Um, I think people forget that. I mean, they had just about the number one offense in the league from February onwards. They were a fantastic offensive team. Bringing in Derek favors really helped shore up their defense after they had like one of the worst defensive net swings in the league. When Rudy Gobert sat, Um, I know that they're not a sexy team, but I think they're going to be very good. And I think they'll be even – they'll be a solid playoff team. Um, they also lost by literally the last shot. Exactly. That bounced on That's the a rim point. a couple times. And if, think of it like this too. If Bojan is there, they they probably they were up three game one. five. They if, were up they three one. game five or six if, if Bojan's there. Yep. And that's not to discredit Denver. Denver grew throughout the playoffs. But my point Getting is – Gary Utah, Harris back, all yeah, of that. Exactly. Like Utah is going to be good this year. Um, so then the next – for me would be, you know, Phoenix and Dallas, Dallas, probably a little bit better. 
Um, Phoenix is obviously going to be really interesting. I would have Dallas higher if Porzingis was going to be there still, but they, I mean, they got better. I really liked the Josh Richardson pickup, but mm-hmm. I still think not having Porzingis is going to hurt them a lot, um, especially on the defensive end. I mean, they have Dwight Powell's coming back from a pretty significant injury. He's not a great defender to begin with. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein was kind of a non-factor there last year, but they brought him back. Um, I'm not really just like – Maxi Kleber. Maxi Kleber is nice, but like yeah. he's he's not giving you the same level on either end that, that Porzingis no. is. So, um, yeah. And then, I, I don't know, I guess from there I would have Golden State in that same same bracket there with Phoenix and uh We have the Dallas. same eight, Mark. I'm oh, we do? We have the same eight making the playoffs in the Western Conference. Oh, it's, okay. Well, perfect. It's, it's pretty much in the same tier, too. Like, I have Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets as one, two, three. Blazers, Mavericks, Jazz, four through six. And then Suns and Warriors at seven and eight. And I have Grizzlies and Pelicans just on the outside looking in. And I think the Rockets are going to be bad just because this whole James Harden thing is just so hard to predict. And then the last – my last three teams, I have the Kings, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder. So – yeah, I was kind of surprised. I was sitting here like, man, are we got the same eight? Like, I was surprised that you uh, – a lot of people have the Rockets still making the playoffs, but I just feel like that's I just – I would probably have Houston at, like, the nine seed. I, you, just I feel like you have to have Houston in the play-in game yeah, at least. Yeah, I think Memphis I have them is, at 11. I just – I don't know why. Definitely miss me with Memphis. Memphis is going to take a step back this year. Agreed. Um, and not even, like, that they'll be a worse team, but just they had a lot of things go right for them last year. Um, and it's going to be hard for but Jaws so good. Jaws going to take another step. Jay is going to miss a uh, part of the season to begin the year um, coming off the injury he had in the bubble. Um, and I just like, I don't know. We saw how much they declined after trading Jay Crowder. Um, and they really have not done anything to replace that. So I, I'm not really confident that Memphis is going to be better win total wise, but I do think they'll become better as a team. So I think that Memphis is another one of those teams that is going to end up looking worse because the West got better. Like Phoenix got better. Uh, Golden State will be better. I think the Pelicans are probably along the same lines, but they're going to be trying harder to make the playoffs and just generally have a team that I think fits a little bit better. Um, So I think in that regard, Memphis will go down. I, I think you have to plan on Houston, at least being in the conversation just in case, uh, the Rockets decide not to trade in this offseason. You know, they'll they'll probably be a top five seed in the in the whatever games James Harden plays just because he's he's that good. Um, I actually had Phoenix a little bit higher than you guys did. Uh, and I had a hard time distinguishing between the Dallas Phoenix and the Portland Denver Utah tier. Um, but generally, it's the same thing. Lakers, Clippers by themselves, uh, Denver, Portland, Utah, Dallas, Phoenix just because if, if Dallas is right, then they could easily be the third seed. And I know that KP is going to be out, but if he, if he's, if that's like the only stretch of games that he misses besides back-to-backs the rest of the season, they could really, really be up there. And I think Luca can carry that team in the regular season, depending on what the matchups are. If they go through, through some gauntlet of the top half of the West then uh, without KP, they're not going to do that great. But I just think regular season basketball, Luca can carry them pretty well. And, uh, and they definitely got better. I, I have Golden State in the Houston Pelicans Memphis Spurs tier. I have all of them grouped together mm-hmm. just because their seasons could easily go one way or another. Mm-hmm. Like Golden State is a Draymond injury away or a Steph injury away, COVID, whatever, 
from just losing going two and seven over a two week period, you know? Uh, and then the Spurs, they have guys like DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge that they probably should trade trade, not to mention Patty Mills and Rudy Gay. Um, but they just have a bunch of vets that are on expiring deals or cheap deals that they just should move to get minutes for their guys like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, you know, uh, Jakob Pertl, who they just signed over the summer. So they could just easily go either way. If they decide to, if they decide to keep all the vets, I imagine they're in the play in game in that uh, eight through 10 seed or whatever you want to, wherever you want to put them in there. Uh, but Minnesota, Sacramento, OKC is without a doubt, the lower, the low tier of the West. Yeah. I, I don't have uh, too many thoughts on the rest of the Western conference. I, I will say this. I know the Pelicans got, you know, a lot of picks back for Drew Holiday, but I'm just not a huge fan of them extending Steven Adams. I know like he's a fine center, but I just felt like that was a bit of an overpay. Like not the worst thing, but I just, I watched Steven Adams in that game seven against the Rockets in the bubble. And I mean, the guy couldn't even get off the ground hardly at all. I was a little worried about him. He looked like he was hurt, uh, which I don't know if he was. He or probably not, was, but it looked like he was like not healthy. And I was like, I'm kind of concerned about him going forward. Cause you know, obviously like this is a big, offseason for the thunder he got traded so thankfully for him he got paid by the pelicans but you know i just feel like the suns like you brought them up red their team to me like their 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 regular season success might not be as great like standing wise as, as what they could do in the playoffs like i have them matching up two seven versus the clippers but it would not surprise me at all if they went in there and won that series like i know that might be a bit of a hot take but i just Oof. think chris paul is that guy and the clippers to me like they've got a lot to prove because after watching them last year, like, I don't know what happened, but I mean, they're a team that I think could easily be upset. I think it's going to be know. different this year. With yeah. Uh, why, why though? What's the big difference? Paul George revenge season. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I mean, actually though, okay. I do think Paul is going to have a really good year. Um, I mean, he could, but, but yeah, what, I mean, what happens when the pressure gets on him again? Like, what, I mean, it's been a couple of playoffs in a row. Like, I'm not oh, hating on, I think Paul, I'm not hating on Paul George. No, it's not. No, I don't think you're hating on him, but I think we're overblowing this. He had one bad game in that playoffs. He had a bad series against Dallas, but he had a really good series against Denver minus yeah. the final game. He was better in that series than Kawhi Leonard was, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I just at least box score wise, box score wise, yeah, was. box score wise, and in the game, I thought he was better. He was better defensively than Kawhi. I thought he had a better offensive series than Kawhi. Um, obviously, he hits that the the backboard on this, the three. So of course, you know it's easy to drum up that uh, everything that happens on Twitter. But like, I, I don't know. I think we're we're getting a little too low on the Clippers. Like they are probably I have the my most... two seed. <laughs> no, I know, but like we're talking about them going out in the playoffs like that. I mean, you have to lose in the playoffs to to experience how you're going to win. You know, it, it you don't just get it the first time around. So I. I'm still high on the Clippers. I think they're the most talented team in the West still, but their parts don't make as much sense as some of the other teams. But I would be surprised if they don't end up making the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it depends on their seeding and the path to get there. But I think the Clippers solved a lot of the issues that they had last year, both in the locker room and on the court. Ibaka is a huge difference from Montrez Harrell, and that's a playoff basketball player. Luke Kennard and Shamit, you can talk about Kennard as an injury risk or whatever, but that's another ball handler, shot creator, and somewhat of a distributor that also shoots well from three that can that that is helpful. And they don't like 
he's not coming in thinking he's going to be the third option behind Kawhi and PG. So the, the ego side of that team should change a little bit, not to mention the fact that they got really humbled during this postseason. Maybe so. And I mean, I guess I wasn't really even trying to hate on the Clippers when I said that I'm just that high on the Suns because like, That's for fair. me, like I, I could kind of see myself putting them in like that four or five, six range. I have them at seven. I just, I'm a huge Chris Paul guy. Mm-hmm. I think DeAndre Ayton's a guy that we didn't talk about that could be up for most improved player of the year. I, I think Devin Booker having a Chris Paul next to him. I mean, we saw what SGA, I mean, what Chris Paul meant for SGA. I mean, just imagine what he could mean for Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker <laughs> was having had an amazing bubble. McCall Bridges is another guy like that. I'm I'm super high on as well. So I just, I really like the Suns. And I guess by me saying, I wasn't even trying to hate on Paul George. Or no, the, I didn't think that's you were. fair. Just, that's like, a good, I, but, yeah. It's but, more me just pouring over because I keep seeing people saying well, stuff on Twitter. So <laughs> Pacer fans hate Paul George. And like, and I it's thought, on, mm, yeah. did you guys listen to the Pacer Ruse podcast with Kevin Pritchard? I don't I, know. Not I, yet. No. So I actually got to listen to it today. And it was kind of funny because I, so they kind of got aggregated by like uh, one of those like NBA yeah, like Central. yeah one of those where they talked about they asked him about you know does the Paul George stuff bother you that he talks about it so much and basically I was surprised that he kind of addressed it but he said I it just, was also surprised that he addressed it <laughs> I I yeah. saw that where I was like are you, what but yeah but I, I I thought it was interesting that he brought it up and basically what he said is like I don't understand why you know he had the most success here with us as a team like why is he still talking about us and hating on us but. That's besides the point. Like I, I'm over the I'm over the Paul George stuff. Like I like to make internet jokes. I don't really care that much. People like think I'm a huge Paul George hater. I'm like not really. I, I actually enjoy watching him play, and I was actually a fan of him in OKC. But it's uh, it's one of those things. Like I just like good basketball, and I think Paul George is a really good basketball player. I agree. And uh, he gets overlooked because obviously he's not the most clutch player. Let's just be honest. But he's hit a ton of clutch shots in his career. Like let's not overlook that just because they haven't been buzzer beaters like Dame and Luca. Like they have those moments that stick out more, but they do have misses quite frequently as well. Can we actually mention something with Paul George really quick? Go for it. So I had somebody clap back at me today because I released in a podcast that had nothing to do with the quote unquote, Anthony Davis confirming that he wanted that he talked oh to Paul gosh. George about coming to the Pacers. And I was like, okay, what like all right ad had three years and a player option left on that on the deal he was on when that would have happened in 2017 or 2016 i can't remember the year now i think it was 17 um the pacers had nothing to trade even if they combined all their draft assets and gutted the roster they get there's no way because there are four or five other teams that could have made much better offers that the Pelicans would have gone with. So even if Anthony Davis wanted to come to Indiana, it wasn't going to happen. The no, only well, asset I, we could have possibly had would have been Paul George. That's the only Miles Turner. They would have exactly. been interested like, in. even then. Like that's what, it. okay. So Miles Turner and like and every single Monte Ellis. And like it would have been no exactly. So I just I just had to iterate that for a second because it's been. Uh, it's been uh, it's been on my mind today, to say the least. Uh, no, I saw that too, and I was like, "Oh, great, here we go again." Like, why is this story keep getting brought up? Like, it's so over the top. Like, how many years ago was that? Four or five years ago? Like, can we just like move on? Like, that's how I feel about the whole Paul George Anthony Davis thing. Like, it's I mean, it's crazy to think, but this is what year three or four? Is it? No, I think it's is it year four? Uh, yeah, it's year yeah, four it's of Oladipo and Sabonis. Well, I guess the one thing I would say too, though, um, I mean, this is not me trying to excuse the front office and it was a different front office then. So I'm not, you know, it's not harping on Kevin Pritchard is still under Larry Bird. It's 
the fault of the Pacers is that they were in such a bad state roster wise and with their assets. So it's not an excuse. And I get Paul not wanting to be here for that. I frankly, like, I totally understand that. And I respect what Paul did. Uh, he was honest. And he told uh, the way that it came out, not great at a celebrity softball game. Like obviously had the complete 180, but by him actually telling the team, I'm not coming back, trade me. And they got assets back. That was huge. I don't love the way he's handled things. But overall, like, I don't think you can fault Paul for not wanting to come back to that team and the way things unfolded. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I go ahead, Red. No, I just – anybody who says that the Pacers are just incompetent or, or whatever for not trading for Anthony Davis, just go ahead and unfollow me, block me, whatever you <laughs> want to do, because that just means you don't pay attention to basketball because you, you, could, you cannot look at that roster and tell me that there's something that the New Orleans Pelicans would be interested in for Anthony Davis with three plus one left. The package that they just got for Anthony Davis as an expiring from one location that he was going to go and was going to is way better than what the Pacers could have offered. Yeah. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Uh, Me too. I just had to bring that up for a split second. And the the Pacers best player asset, Miles Turner. I mean, I don't even think you could have traded him. You know, maybe at that point you could have, but for Drew Holiday, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's like Drew Holiday just got the bag too. So that brings up another question because I I know it's not going to happen. And this is not me saying it's going to happen, but I'm just, I put a question out there. It's like on Twitter last week, I said, if the Pacers, you know, could go out and make a trade for James Harden, one, would you do it? Number two, what would you give up to do it? And do you think that it do you think it would make the Pacers a championship contender? So with those three questions, it's just hypothetical stuff. So I'm curious because I know the Rockets are asking for a ton, but do the Pacers have enough assets to go out and acquire a guy like James Harden? See, this is priceless because Rhett and I just talked about this yesterday. Yes, we did. Um, yeah, I I mean Rhett and I, I think not to quote you Rhett, but I think we both came from the place like, yeah, if they could do it, then yes, but at the same time, like they can't it's not going to happen like not I, if Ben Simmons is on the table yeah like if Ben Simmons is on the table which I, I personally think if Philadelphia has the chance to get James Harden you do it um but overall I think there would be no point in the Pacers for even involving themselves in the discussions right now um just because um I personally think somebody will come up with a better offer for James Harden and then you end up dangling half the starters and draft yep. assets. And then when the trade doesn't go through, they're like, well, you just tried to trade all of us and again, that fractures team chemistry. So like, yeah, <laughs> you in case really of miles, it. if there was like, if you had something with, with the rockets where they're like, you know, just hypothetically, they're like, yeah, we're going to accept this trade offer. Then yes, I think unequivocally, you know, I don't care about the fact that he might not resign in two years. Like you just have to do it because where else are you getting a player that good? So no, um, yeah. are they a championship contender? I don't know, but I think you do it with the hope. Well, not even the hope, the idea and general general direction of we're going to sell out for the next two years to make this a championship contender. So and that's I where like I'm at with it. Any, I, I agree. And this is what, this is why Mark and I were talking about it is the Pacers have just missed a superstar. That's just the one thing that we don't have. And Paul got there towards the end of his run going toe to toe with LeBron, but we just don't have a superstar. We don't have a path to a superstar because we're 100% not going to tank and disgruntled superstars that you can trade for that carry some sort of risk is the only way for a team like the Pacers to get a superstar. And especially when you consider that we already tried to trade miles. So that means he's definitely available. 
that was for Gordon Hayward. So like, maybe that's the positional aspect of it. He's available. Vic has one year left and is a question mark right now. So it would make sense to kind of see what you could get for him. If you could put two players together that you aren't sure about their future on the team and pull back a superstar, obviously you'd have to add a, a couple other, I say a couple a more, things, load. <laughs> a bunch, a bunch more things, because if Oladipo is a question mark to the team that's trading him away, I don't know what kind of question mark that would be uh, for Houston, but they kind of seem into that with wall and boogie, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that's just, that's just kind of where I'm at. Like if it's, if it's an option, yes, they should look into it. Um, you might take a hit in team culture and I don't know if Bjorkren would be super excited as a first year head coach trying to establish himself, uh, to go head to head with Harden in, in that regard. But I also think that there's just, I don't think the Pacers have what it takes uh, and what it would take. I'm not sure the Pacers would be comfortable with if they indeed needed to uh, trump an offer like Brooklyn. Yeah. I think where I come from and like the first thing I thought of when I was like, just questioning myself, like would the Pacers do this? Like, I don't think the Pacers go out and try to get a guy like Harden because of his off court stuff. Like, the guy doesn't seem to take basketball seriously as I think a lot of teams would want, but that's the perception, right? I mean, I I don't know. Like I think that's the perception. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, yeah, I guess it's the perception. It's just tough because I don't agree um, necessarily, but I think that I I just saying like, that's what people think. Like he's more involved with the clubs yeah, and and, and the party life, the, you know, the outside life, like he wasn't taking COVID seriously with going to all those clubs. Like, you know, like I don't think the Pacers look at a guy like, oh, that's a guy we really want in our locker room. We don't want to deal with that and mess up our culture because that's one thing that Kevin Pritchard has hammered home about is culture, culture, culture. So that's number one. Number two, it's like, would they even have the assets to do it? So I think most of us would start off with the package of as many picks and pick swaps as you can give out at this point with, with Vic and Miles attached. And then I don't even think that that trumps some of the other offers available so then you probably have to throw Aaron Holiday in there, which is something I know the Pacers don't want to do, and that still might not be enough. So then if you're looking at Brogdon Sabonis and TJ Warren, like out of those three, I think that Warren probably would be the one that they'd give up on the most out of those three, just because I feel like if you're bringing in Harden, like how does that impact Warren's play if he's not dominating the ball as much? So that's where I kind of looked at it, because I think Brogdon would be a nice fit to Harden on the wing, and then Sabonis obviously in the pick and roll. So that's kind of where I went from like building my offer from there, but I would not want to offer all of those players just to get one guy for two years. But at the same time, like this is a guy that could turn your franchise from a seventh seed to a top three seed and maybe a conference finals. Yeah. Mark, do you want to pose your, uh, your counter to that? Or do you want me to do it from the messages we sent the other day? Uh, I started off. So you got to, okay. It. Uh, what about sending Brogdon instead of Oladipo? I don't know if I like the fit. I'm just saying, like, if you're going to go for it, if you're truly going to go for it. I mean, I think Houston might want Brogdon, but I think that. That's what I'm saying is, like, I, I would Brogdon be a better trade asset for Houston well, than would you keep Would you keep Warren then? Would you keep Aaron Holiday then? Like, how would that impact? I don't, that's, that's this whole entire thing comes down to price. It's like, yeah. you can't say, like, in a vacuum, if all you're giving up is big guard matching salary picks if that's all you're giving up yes but it's not going to be that simple so th- that's ultimately where these discussions are are it, it, we have no idea what goes on behind closed, door, closed doors because yeah. they might say like hey no we need old depot turner and warren and if i'm the pacers it's like 
I mean, am I getting PJ Tucker back? Is that even? I don't know. It might have to be with salary wise. Get one of yeah. them back. Yep. It, it, what if you took on the Eric Gordon contract? Nope. No that, chance. No. Nope. Would, would that be able to like let you give up less picks away to get him? Like, I don't I mean? want Eric Gordon at all. Yeah, but if it can keep your franchise, if you keep your future a little bit, you know, more intact, I think it might be worth it. Plus, he's not a terrible player. The contract's not great, but I mean, put him on the bench, six man type of guy. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world to me. Like, I get it. Like, his contract's not beautiful and it's pretty ugly, but uh, <laughs> I would almost be willing to take back money if it means that I have to give up less of my assets to to get James Harden. If that makes sense, that could be true. I don't know. Mark, any other thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, yeah, overall, it's just a hypothetical. I, I don't I don't think that there's any realistic way for the Pacers to try and do it, and I don't think the front office should be shamed for that. It's just this, where we're at. I mean, it's James yeah. Harden. Um, In four years, if Old Depot comes on saying that we had James Harden wanting oh to play God. with us, that's just <laughs> – We wouldn't trade. We wouldn't trade Brogdon. Yeah, yep, yeah. We, we wouldn't trade uh, – We didn't have the assets to get nope, him. Didn't do it. <laughs> But I will say this, like you bring up a good point about Brogdon. Like this is a guy that I really like, and I think the franchise values him more than just for his on-court presence. His off-court presence is huge. Um, But this is a guy, like when I look at him, like he's a borderline all-star. So it's not someone that I'm like attached to at the hip. Like I think he's a good player, but if he can get you, if he can be in a trade package that gets you back a top 10, top 15 player, which I don't know if that would be enough, but if he could, then I would be okay with getting him out of here. If you, if it meant bringing in somebody that's at that top 10, 15 level of, of yeah, player. no, that's a, that's my, my closing thoughts on that would be just front office wise. And as a GM, if you have a chance to get a top five player, which James Harden is, um, I think you'd be pretty comfortable giving up just about anyone on the roster. And that's, you know, obviously yep. it sounds very inhuman to talk like that. So I always like struggle doing it, but um, that's just the, that's how it works, man. Like if you can get that kind of player, you have to, but yeah. I still don't think it's possible. So, yeah. And, and like, to be honest, like two of our best assets are centers. And, um, I don't really think that the Rockets need a center with them just going out and getting Christian wood. So it'd probably be a three team deal. Now, if there's a way they can get a player in on a three team deal and get under the luxury tax, like, Hey, I might be up for that, but, um, yeah, well, that's a, that's another podcast for another day. So, Guys, this was super fun. Um, just real quick, Mark, what are your expectations for this upcoming game against the Knicks? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think, God dang, uh, I think it's Big Blackenstein. Uh, Smith, Smith on Twitter always gets me because I always say that's a good question to whenever somebody asks me a question on a podcast. You do. You do say that. I, I do say that. that. <laughs> well, I, I have to validate that you're asking a good question. Um, hey, everybody has their quirks. Like, I, yeah, always, that is, that's I, I don't my, know what I say all the time, but I go back and hear it. And I'm like, man, I said that every yeah, time. Kevin like Pritchard always quirk. says, at the end of the day, Kevin Pritchard says that about every time he answers a question. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, I also say that a lot, too. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, I'm just microcosming, <laughs> nitpicking myself. Um, no, I mean, I look for the Pacers. To, I, I don't even care about the score. My expectations, I just want to see what the starting lineup looks like together because we know TJ and Miles are both going to be playing in that game. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to. What Because we didn't get to see them play all together at all in the preseason. So what does that look like? And mostly, I'm just excited to see what Nate Bjorkman does in like an actual meaningful game like what is he doing in this kind of chess match to 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 you know lockstep with Tom Thibodeau and uh try and beat the Knicks it's like I, I'm I'm just there's a lot of things but overall that's kind of what I'm looking for All right Rhett real quick what you got 
Yeah, I agree. I'm looking for a bit more uh, versatility when it comes to the offense. I think Mark and I talked about this a little bit. Everything in the preseason was pretty vanilla in terms of offensive sets. And it, and it comes from Bjorken talking about them spending 95% of training camp on defense, which is great because I think the defenses looked awesome and they forced a ton of turnovers um, with their various degrees of ball pressure. So I'm looking for a little bit more uh, offensively uh, and then obviously looking to see what the starters look like and see what the rotation looks like with all the starters available. Yeah, no, that's those are all great points. And you guys can follow Rhett on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer and Mark at M. Schindler NBA. And we will do this again next week. So hope you guys enjoy the first Pacers game on Wednesday. And we will talk to you all later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.